Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to the Awesome Book Club Podcast. I'm Rhett. Hey, during this episode and two others, we are going to be reading and discussing The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. This is an absolute must-read, and of course, it is one of the most enduring books of the 20th century. If you need to get your hands on this, you can do it on Amazon for less than two bucks. So no excuses, get on with it. Anyone who doesn't yet know... The Diary of a Young Girl was written by an adolescent, Anne Frank, as she is in hiding from the Nazis with her family. She is a young spark of life, and her writing will have you burning through pages. That being said, if you guys are listening along or reading along and you want to chime in with your interpretations or give us your ideas or smack us on the back of the head for something dumb we might have said, you can tweet us. We are at Awesome Book Club. And if that isn't enough, you can write us a letter or email us abc at airpodcast.com and with that should serve as a reminder that this is a book club and that is your invitation to join in the conversations that we want to be having and to share in this experience of going through this book with us especially if it's your first time like it is ours and with that guys i won't hold you any further we're going to discuss the diary of a young girl by anne frank I hope that I can add to this conversation because I didn't think. Dude, I hope I can add to the conversation. I don't know. It's a hard book to cover because because we all know how it ends. Yeah. Well, we all know how her story ends. I guess I was a little stunned by just the fact that there's no other entries. Yeah. It's very sobering. Um, I don't know. Uh, Would you guys freeze to death if I turn off the heater? I don't think so. I'm fine, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's then a good way to start around, like, kind of getting some misconceptions out of the way, I guess. Because what you made, like, I don't know. I don't think this book, I was excited to read it, but I wasn't like, holy shit, this is going to be amazing, you know? And then as I was starting reading it, it was amazing. <laughs> and it's, I finished it and I was just like, holy shit, this is the greatest. Well, I think I mean, to me, part of what makes it so compelling is like, I think most people are naturally like a bit voyeuristic yeah. anyways. And what's more voyeuristic than reading a person's diary? Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. I don't think anyone really looks at this book too and says like, oh man, I have to read this. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's kind of like. One of those novels, or I guess it's not a novel, but one of those books that will force you to grow. Because it mm. puts you, like, first-hand perspective into this really unique and horrifying situation mm. that none of us have ever experienced and probably will never experience. Mm. But I think because of that, that's why, like, this book was so amazing. It was just like... Everything about it, like, she's so relatable. Yeah. Yet it's like this, you know, it's like the World War II, like, almost never happened to us. It's just like this thing that has always existed in time. Mm-hmm. But now we have, like, a firsthand count as if it was someone we knew, you know? Yeah. From a very unique, like, Jewish perspective. Yeah. 
Anyways. <laughs> and now we're like ready to, that was beautiful. Now we're ready to podcast. <laughs> I feel like that was part of what, you know, I know it's being recorded, but yeah. Yeah. I'll just put like a little snippet like before or after and we can, you yeah. Know. It's fun to start before and get like those candid snapshots. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, hello, dear listener. Oh, boy. Peaked it a little bit there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, hello, dear listener, and welcome to the um, currently uh, name-in-progress book club podcast, a part of the Air Podcast family. Um, As you all may or may not be aware, we are here to discuss... Um, Diary of a Young Girl, written by Anne Frank. And, uh, yeah, very touching book. Before we get going, uh, real quick, I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And I'm Kurt. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where to start. Um. Why don't you start by telling us why you picked this book? Great. Oh, it was a total tryhard pick. Like, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm unashamed to say that. a classic tryhard. I, I <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, like, Kurt had suggested this this idea early on in the podcast, like, trying to, you know, read books that represent, like, minority viewpoints. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I guess John Hersey isn't necessarily a, a minority, but uh, we get a lot of Japanese viewpoints expressed uh, in the book Hiroshima, which hopefully you guys have already uh, listened to. And, um, I kept like, you know, I don't know, coming back to all these different ideas and it kept boiling down and boiling down. And I was like, well, like, uh, who's more minority than, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, granted people can argue with this, but I I think like women generally understand like the, the struggle of being like, I guess, oppressed, you know, in every way, Mm -hmm. especially like women of color, but also like a Jewish woman Mm -hmm. in, you know, world war two era Europe. Um, so yeah, I don't know. The more I kept thinking about it, it's like, and none of us had read it somehow. Yeah. Like how did that happen? I think most people read this book in high school. Right. Because most people, I've talked to several people about the fact that I was reading this and they were like, you haven't read that book? (laughs) Everybody said that to me. Really? Like, how did you not read that? I'm like, because I'm a freaking privileged (laughs) white guy who's like never had to check himself, you know? Um... Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was like the perfect, you know, and to me too, I've been um, thinking a lot about the idea of like a diary for a long time, you know, um, like what is more, yeah. What is more like intrusive on a person's life than like reading their diary, you know, this, these like unfiltered thoughts, you know, like Mm -hmm. etched in stone, not etched in stone, but like ink, you know, that you can't take away unless you want to like rip the pages out. Yeah. You know? Even in this book, she's like, I cross that out. Don't even try to read it or I'll hate you. You know, like, <laughs> um, and I don't know. And I think like I said it earlier, um, but I think like nat- people are like very naturally voyeuristic. I don't know. I, I, like as a kid, I've always been more interested in, in just like watching to gather information and listening, eavesdropping than I was just blatantly like asking for it, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and because of that, I've always, I, I don't know, I've kind of developed this tendency of just, I, I, I love the, like, you know, you get little vignettes of somebody's life. And while this isn't like the most thorough examination of a person's life possible, like there's whole months missing between entries sometimes. Um, it, it, 
it's still quite a look into this person's mm-hmm. life, especially their daily routine, which, like, fascinates me. Mm-hmm. But not only that, then you start getting into, like, you know, a lot of her feelings about her family members that she keeps to herself and all that sort of stuff. And that, that stuff you don't get to learn about people sometimes. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, when it came to my turn to pick, like I said, it felt like the try hard pick. I was like Jewish woman, you know, in, yeah. in uh, world war two era Europe, let's do it. And, uh, I'm glad I did. Um, it was a trip to find at pals, by the way, I went to pals and bought this. It's only in the Holocaust section of the store. That's the only place I found it. <laughs> yeah. Like, not not autobiographies, Mm. not whatever. It's Jewish history, specifically the Holocaust shelf. Mm. So, what do you guys have to say about before we read it? Like, I don't know. Like, let's let's capture, like, the before and the after. Because I wasn't sure that I would like it. I knew that I could probably read it because of that, you know, those those tendencies to want to, like, spy on somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's something very compelling about a diary. You just keep flipping the pages because you're like, ooh, that's juicy. <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> yeah, I I was not I, – I wasn't super excited to read it. I just – I didn't have a lot of strong feelings, actually. I was kind of neutral, I would say, because I hadn't heard much about it besides what everyone hears. <laughs> right. And I also felt like I kind of knew the story because right. you, you know what happens. And it turns out – I didn't know the story at all. I didn't know why it was famous, really. And I think it's famous for the writing, in addition to the scenario and her personality. But it's very well written. And, yeah, and the story is so much more compelling than I had ever thought possible. Because it's, like, yeah. I mean, you try to put yourself in her shoes for a moment. Like, I kept thinking that when there was just, like, gunfire blasting and bombs dropping around their house. I'm like... Wow, I'm glad that's not me. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. But, like, how horrible that people did. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, after I read the book, like, not to jump ahead, but it's like, hopefully everybody knows what happens in the end. Yeah. She dies. And there were so many moments where I was reading where actually I was, like, pretty overcome with, like, sadness. I actually cried several times, like, (laughs) while reading it because I was like, you know, there's parts where she's, like, happy. Yeah. Like, oh, like, after Mm -hmm. she reports, like, you know, kissing Peter for the first time. Oh, I just like cried so hard. Cause I was like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just like the sheer horror of like being separated from your family and like put through those like horrible situations. And it's like, it, you know, ultimately she died from typhus, but like, is that a blessing rather than being put into a freaking gas chamber? And you know, I, but the, the, the camp that she went to, it's like just had no supplies or anything. People were just dying of starvation and thirst and exposure because, you know, Auschwitz had supplies where they could feed you and put you to work and do all this stuff. And you had clothes and everything was tidy and orderly, even though it was like just a horrific death camp. Then the place she went had none of that, had no order or anything like that. And then she Mm. just dies from like some bullshit disease. So this kind of brings up a couple things for me. One is... um, I'm pretty sure we all have slightly different versions of yeah. the book. So when I went, because I work at a library and I picked out the one that I thought was the most definitive edition, because <laughs> I think that's kind of what you you were hoping for. Yeah, that was my um, um, downfall. But well, so mine is edited. Mine is not because edited. I have the Van Dans 
instead of the Van Pels, where mm. some of them have oh. the names like aren't redacted or anything. Oh, I see. Like, yeah. There was parts of this when she's like describing her classmates where their names are, uh, <laughs> their names are like, oh, here it is, like GZ instead of whatever their name is, or yeah. CN instead of whatever their name is. But otherwise, I'm pretty sure the version that I had, like, they note where she went through and, like, edited some of it and added... Because I guess at, at a certain point, uh, she heard that um, people were looking for stories that yeah. Jews were writing, you know, in, in the yeah. war. So that after the war, they can, like, recount those stories. And yeah. so when she heard that, she started going through and editing some of the book. Yeah. And my version um, has like a little asterisk when she's done that, and it'll tell you like, oh, that's cool. You know, this this was these last two paragraphs were mm. something she added like six months after she wrote this entry, or yeah. you know, this part was edited out by her father, kind of. A yeah. Thing. So there's three versions um, from what I could tell. Yeah. Version A, version B, version C is what they're <laughs> traditionally called. One, I don't know which is which, but one is the unedited version of her diary. The other is the one her father edited, and then the other is the one she edited. Okay. So, I don't know which one I have, although they did censor, like, some of the, like, sexual stuff in mine, which was unfortunate, because that's, you know, I kept saying, like, I wanted at least one of us to have You must have had the father's version, the one that was popular up until he died, because my version said that he, the original version that was, like spread out or, you know, like yeah. published and everything was the version that her father okayed. And up until he died in like 1980, that was the version that you can get. But once he died, he gave the rights to a museum and they went through and, and must have published the other two versions. So you must have like the original that everyone would have maybe had back in the day. But it's it sounded like your version had more about what happened to them at the end. Mine was I had like, a little epilogue, yeah. Okay. A little afterward. Mine was like just talked about, two and a half pages. Okay, mine mm-hmm. was probably I mean her last entry ends and then it's I don't know, maybe ten pages or less. Oh see that's cool because I was really interested in hearing how everyone or what happened to everybody. And it was like basically a paragraph for each person. Mine has three bits and talks about the climate and the things like led, leading up to World War to, oh, and like cool. leading up to the persecution of the Jews oh. and the gypsies. Yeah. And then it has a bit about, yeah, section two. It's kind of all like a mini, like little biography of, of Anne Frank's life leading up to her diary, you know, like where she was That's born, cool. when they moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, where was she born? Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, she, okay. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't, yeah, they moved to Holland, Holland. when, um, you know, things started getting bad, but like they, it was definitely well before things were at their worst, you know, right. they moved to Holland. Her dad went first and set up, he got well established in his business there. Then they came over mm-hmm. and, you know, that was kind of the mo- interesting, one of the very interesting parts to me was the parts of the diary before they went into hiding. Yeah. Like how, like what a weird stroke of fortune that she gets this diary and she thinks to take it with her yeah when her survival is at stake and granted like as a 13 year old girl she's probably not thinking her survival is at stake mm-hmm. 
at least maybe not at that exact moment, because everything was kind of fine up until her sister got that letter mm-hmm. to report to the labor camps. But I always thought that that part was the most interesting. And it actually was like one of the first times I teared up a little bit was when she was talking early on about her troubles at school, like how her teachers like labeled her a chatterbox and she had to like write the essay about like <laughs> a chatterbox. And she spends more time focusing on like, how is she going to one up this teacher? <laughs> like, I remember doing the exact yeah. same thing. Like, I remember in high school, Mr. Star, our principal, uh, wanted me to write an apology letter for ditching school one day. And I thought, great, I will. So I wrote like a 34 page apology with like eking out like the tiniest details of like what I did and like my state of mind and like why I did it, why I thought it was okay. And I handed it in and he was just like, why? Why? (laughs) It's like, you're working so hard on this. I know. You could have just come to school. Yeah. He's like, why don't you just go to school? And why don't you just get good grades? And why don't you quit being an asshole, Rhett? And it's like, I don't know. So when she was doing that, I was just like, I was like, oh my God, she's Mm. just like every other kid. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that she's actually really funny. And in the beginning, she's so much of a gossip, it seemed like. Or like she was... I she know. even says that herself. Like later on in the book, she's like, she's like, my life was very like superficial. Yeah. Yeah. And now she leads almost in a way like a pseudo monastic life of her like one release is like pure reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can see how deep she, like, grows to be. Mm-hmm. She's a very bright spark at the beginning of the book. I, I get super sad to think of the person that she would have become had she lived. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. she is so smart. Yeah, she is. Even at 13, 14, 15 years old. It's crazy, yeah. And I like, that's one of my favorite parts of the beginning before they're in hiding, is that you so truly see her personality and you just immediately warm up to her and yeah. she's just doing these everyday things and you're thinking oh it's, she's so great she's so spunky it's so interesting and then boom they're in hiding it's like a perfect narrative piece of course it's real life but it really draws you in yeah and it builds like a reality outside that you then miss when she's yeah up. it's pretty amazing because i think one of the things that it does so well I mean, honestly, like, I felt like each time I was reading, like, you could have, you could have replaced Dear Kitty with Dear Rhett, you know? Like, I felt like she's directly confiding in me. Yeah. You know, like, I almost had a responsibility to, like, harbor those secrets that she's telling. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's why it was, like, so devastating at the end. Because, so, the, my version, I didn't exactly know what the last page was, but I read this full page. And then I flip the page, and there's nothing on it except for Anne's diary ends here. Mine doesn't even have that. Oh, my God. Mine just says yours, Anne. Yeah. And then, of course, I have the afterword, but it's... Well, and the other thing is, like, she... So, this is what really, like, got me so sad, was they're talking the whole time, and not, like, it's not, like, prominent, like, it's always being talked about, but you know... As they're listening to the radio and, you know, as they're going throughout their lives uh, in hiding, they're talking about the Allies invading. And they're talking about Russia making progress on the Eastern Front and all this stuff. And, oh, you know, they want the British won in Africa. And then, oh, the the Allies won in Italy. Mussolini resigns. Yeah, Mussolini resigns, whatever. And it's like, it's this leading event that's coming like they know that victory is in sight and you know what's screwed up 
how narrowly I, that's what they I, missed it. Yeah, they so D Day happens. They're like following D Day, and the the allies are pushing over towards them, I, and then they just like right before they were captured, or like right after they days were captured. After. It's like the allies came into where they were. And and in I my think, wasn't it like four days? My my book says that they were shipped to Brussels and then by the quirk of fate the last shipment by freight train of people to Auschwitz was them. Their shipment. Wow. And then that then the um <clears throat> allies came. Yeah, so you know, like and and uh Mr. Van Dam Dan Mr. Van Dan, Herman Van Pels Van Dan. I don't know which his real name was. Van Pels is Van the real, Pels, is the real yeah. name. It says that he was gassed to death in Auschwitz in October or November 1944, shortly before the gas chambers were dismantled. It's like, oh, God, we're sitting here like we already know what's ha- what's going to happen. But yeah. we're like rooting for these people for them to get out and to know that they just mar- narrowly missed yeah. the the there's, option of getting out, it's so disheartening. There's another book that somebody put together in the 50s sometime of interviews with people that ha- knew Anne, you know, in her brief time in the concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And they include some of the quotes in my afterward. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, she, like, reunited. Like, remember she was, she had that dream about her friend. It's spelled, like, lies, but it's leaves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She has that dream about how her friend's in the concentration camp and how bad she feels that she's safe. Well, she reunites with that friend later. When she's, after she leaves Auschwitz and goes to the other one, she sees her there. They're separated Mm -hmm. by like barbed wire or whatever, but, and there's people who just like recalled, you know, having met her and they have quotes in here. It was like, you know, um, yeah, like for example, right here in my book, uh, Mrs. Van Dam died at Belsen, but no witness marked the date. Margot died at the end of February or beginning of March, 1945. And then, quote, Anne, who was already sick at the time, recalled a survivor, was not informed of her sister's death. But after a few days, she sensed it. And soon afterwards, she died, peacefully feeling that nothing bad was happening to her. She was not yet 16. That was a quote from some survivor that the author of the book. I wish I could remember the name of the book. I think it's in here, but I didn't bother. Oh, Anne Frank, A Portrait of Courage, published in 1958 by Ernst Schnabel. I don't know, something like that. You know, and he just yeah. interviews all these people who, like, briefly had their lives touched by her, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, we always quote, or we always make it seem like the stories that matter are the ones that we can, like, read about. But think of the countless number of people they were like who this. went through the same thing and nobody knows a damn thing about. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for literally just, like, con- like countless strokes of luck, like, we wouldn't have even have this story. Right. I was wondering about that, like her last entry or whatever, then, you know, some German officer and like little group come and like raid their house and capture them. She must've like put it in the bookshelf and like, it was scattered on the floor. Oh, it was scattered on the floor. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so they didn't care. They obviously, it's like, they weren't there no. looking for and that. In fact, they, the German officer who arrested her was pissed off because he, he got to go live a life after this. Yeah. He got to go live a life. In fact, he was a, a Vienna and a police officer in Vienna. And in the 60s, he was brought up on war crimes, but he was acquitted. Wow. You know, um, he was charged with, like, hiding who he was and all this stuff to, to be a police officer in Vienna. And he has some quotes. I actually have them up, uh, maybe, if I can find them real quick. Uh... Well, while we have some time, I just want to go back to what we were talking about, the different versions. So I think this is actually really important. 
So Rhett told us to try to find the unabridged, unedited version, <laughs> and two out of three of us failed. I I bought a version that was called Complete and Unabridged, and it was not... No, and that's the one thing I found out, was it like... Whatever it says on the front, it's an absolute lie. Yeah. So Taylor, what can you explain what version you have? I think you got the best. I have. Uh, it's called the Diary of a Young Girl and Frank, the definitive edition. It was maybe see. the word is definitive. Definitive might be what you're what looking it is. for. This was published in 1995, basically by a, a division of Random House Inc. Hmm. So. There, that was confusing, though, because at the library, there was, like, four different versions. Yeah. And I looked through all of them, and this one was the longest. Yeah. So, I was like, that's got to be it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's funny. I feel like I'd love to give better advice, but I feel like just be wary of choosing a version. Yeah. And really look at a couple and then try to find longer ones. <clears throat> well, but it sounds like regardless of what you pick, like, you're going to get a good version. And, and, like, obviously, like, Rhett, his was wasn't the definitive edition or whatever, but he had more information about what happened afterwards. Yeah, that's really than I did. You yeah. know? So I think it just if you're in question, just pick one. Yeah. But And there's also a lot of resources online too. I read a lot about what happened after just on the yeah. Anne Frank website. Because right. I was curious. Yeah. And I wanted to know who did it, which is a whole nother topic of conversation. Like who turned them in? Oh right. Who betrayed them. Yeah. And we it's just basically unknown. Wow. Like, they haven't been able to figure out. There's been all kinds of investigations. There's no clear person. Yeah. So hmm. That's yeah. crazy. Um, one thing I did want to mention, which is just housekeeping, is this is kind of a special episode because oh, we're, yeah. all, we're all here in person. Oh, yeah. Nor- <laughs> normally, we're all remote, but, uh, you know, we grew up in the same town, and it's the holidays, so all of us are kind of near. I drove up today from Eugene, and... Met at Rhett's house, and Kurt's Kurt flew over from DC. So all the just for the podcast, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so that's what books mean to us. Yeah. Um, okay, Get your quotes. <laughs> yeah, sorry to like yeah. derail this. We're all yeah. over the rails, but that's the beauty of, of podcasting. Yeah. So um, the guy's name was uh, Carl Silberbauer, and uh, he was like the officer um, that arrested Anne Frank and. The guy seems like a real douche to me. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, later on, you know, he was, um, you know, caught for, like, hiding his involvement with the Nazis and stuff like that. And uh, it says here on Wikipedia, I couldn't find the, the place where I read it before, but it says, um, upon being asked about Anne Frank's diary, Silberbauer stated, I bought the little book last week to see if I'm in it, but I'm not. Upon being told by a reporter that he could have been the first to read it, Silverbauer chuckled and said, maybe I should have picked it up off the floor. Oh. Hmm. Because it was scattered everywhere. They didn't yeah. care. And it was actually the people that were housing them that found it, and they kept it safe for like two years or longer before Otto came back and they gave it to him. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Once they found the Anne died, they gave it back. Yeah. Yeah. And then he read through. It seemed like he was shocked. This is very outside the book, but yeah. he was, like, shocked that she had had all these amazing thoughts, and she was such a good writer, and she'd said all this stuff about her mom and yeah. her body. And- well, even her dad, too. Like, she said she said a bad thing about literally everyone in the, in <laughs> yeah. the space that they were in, yeah. you know? but, but then she was kind of, like, battling herself the whole time. Yeah. Because it was like she would just throw down hateful words on these people, and then, like... 
a couple weeks later, she's like kind of found her uh, understanding side, and oh, you know, they're just a person just like yeah. me. Kind in of fact, uh, in fact. Well, never mind. I'm not gonna be able to find it. <laughs> <laughs> my notes. Oh, it's like God. I have something to say, but um, I don't have it now. Which, yeah, but she grows up so much, and that's what I meant before. It's like earlier on, she's just like, "God, these people don't get me. Like, why won't they just get me? This is stupid." And then later on, she flat out says, "It's like she's like, I know I'm just as much a cause to this, like, mm-hmm. you know, struggle, the, the the strife in our house as anyone else. It's not yeah. just me, but." Yeah. I am a big part of it. She mm. flat out admits it. Well, I think that, just to highlight that as one of the most compelling pieces, I think her growth in the book is mm. just stunning. Yeah. She, I think she's going from 12 to 14 in age, but I don't know how readable this book would be if she hadn't changed so much during it. And she just like matures in her writing, matures in her personality, figures out all these things. And she goes through such relatable things like a crush on a guy that doesn't really make sense and isn't good. And then by the end, she's kind of like, well, Peter, meh. (laughs) I know. I laugh so hard at that. Yeah. I know. She's so great. It's just, God, it just kills me, man. I know we're kind of all over the place, but I've, wrote all my notes like chronologically so yeah let's start digging into the book i think that's good that'd be great so um obviously we talked a lot about the beginning of the book like a snapshot of her life before it was stripped away and it she she relates it later on it's just like being flatly like middle class and you know you find out later that both of her parents came from a rich background families yeah which i was just like i was shocked yeah i for some reason just thought that they were kind of like peasants or like lower class i never that, thought know? that you know and i don't know maybe why it's because of all the like really douchey can we talk really quick though about we were talking about preconceptions earlier yeah and about how we all thought that we all knew the story yeah doesn't it put into perspective like how horrible and frank jokes are oh my god yeah we've talked about this we did because it, i was so guilty of this in high school like well you know, it's like anything else though where uh, and, you know, we talked about this, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, part of, like, that thing that comedy does where they try to go to, like, your dark spot, you know, to make you kind of feel uncomfortable and kind of laugh about it. But, yeah, what the hell, dude? I yeah. There's so many jokes. Yeah, it's, like, insane. Now that Now having, like, basically, I feel like she's somebody that I've known. Right. And that's why it was so and devastating, why- like finishing the book and just being like oh my god like this is how it ended you're not a like, member of the podcast you're not a co but yeah it makes it even worse like imagine if she was somebody new I, and somebody like made those jokes you know yeah i f- literally feel horrible i feel like i've been i i wouldn't say that like and frank jokes were like my my forte or whatever <laughs> oh, in high school but i was definitely guilty of saying them just like <laughs> you know very dispassionately like it didn't matter and, and I don't know, maybe in a way it doesn't, but at the same time, it's like, now that I've read it, I, I feel like I've betrayed, like, a very close friend. Mm. And I feel, like, retroactively, like, very guilty. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Mm. Um, it's interesting that, like, I don't hear MLK jokes. Eh. 
that much, or I haven't I haven't heard any in my life. I'm sure there are some out there, but I yeah. I do feel like for whatever reason, maybe because it was far away, she's a young girl. People think it's funnier to make fun of it, which probably has to do with sexism in our society and you yeah. know, like. But yeah, well, I, I don't think I think it's truly a problem with the United States like education system that's that happened long ago and happened uh, overseas essentially and it's like especially to like a little girl or whatever like how much of World War II did we learn that was like literally just all battles you know yeah. like I could recount like step by step the Battle of the Bulge <laughs> but I couldn't before reading this book I couldn't tell you a single thing about what it was like to be a Jewish person in hiding other than what I saw, saw in like Inglorious Bastards or like you know Schindler's List yeah. you know and that's kind of depressing in a way. Well, another thing that I've thought about, and I don't want to like detract from this story because it's so powerful, is just like the fact that we we as a society care a lot about Anne Frank and like everything that happened with her. It makes me wonder like how many people have gone through something yeah. similarly that were in Africa right, or yeah. something and or who, we don't think about we don't know their names right like you know? who was it I don't know who said it mm. but it's something I think all the time it, you know it's it's not about like whatever it is I'm, I'm, I'm worried about all of the potential Einsteins or genius people that le- live their whole lives with this like untapped potential because they were worried about clean water and they were worried about food and having shoes and a warm place to sleep at night rather than being able to focus on their education and learn things. Right. How many great minds have just lived out their lives in squalor because they had no option but to survive, mm-hmm. you know, survival was first. And it actually makes me really sad to think it's like, I mean, granted, like Anne Frank would have just been, a, you know, a small freaking bullet point on a large list of people who died in the Holocaust if it wasn't for this book. Right. Which is sad as how many people... She, she, she talks about one time um, later on in the book about how life is an adventure. Um, or what she's on is an adventure, really. And essentially she is, right? Like, I think all the time about how how cushy of a life I have. Hmm. Whereas, like, I think very highly of myself because... I'm a conceited asshole, but, <laughs> but it's like, I've never, aside from like a slightly sad childhood, like I didn't really have like a lot of adversity to overcome. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in a white town surrounded by white people and had a decent education and had, you know, a decent middle-class upbringing in a house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she says, um, I wrote here in my notes, she seems very aware that she's on a great adventure, which is what she says, I think, which would be true. Sadly, there's probably many people whose lives would read like a great adventure, but they don't get to tell their tales. And it's sad that Anne Frank didn't live to know how hers affected people. How many great (sighs) stories have happened that just pass on... Mm-hmm. to nobody because there's no one there to hear the story or to see the story well what i found interesting was um scattered throughout the book she talks about wanting to become a writer yeah and mm-hmm. at one point she even mentioned how 
like she thought her writing was was crap, basically. And that's like, all artists she, think that, right? <laughs> and and she like didn't think that she would affect many people, but she really hoped that she would. And it was just like it's, I don't know. You you really see yourself in her in that regard, like. You want your life to be meaningful and and touch as many people as possible. It made me wonder, like, her thoughts on her family, like, made me wonder, like, about them as well. Like, you know, they're living the same adventure, you know, I keep calling it an adventure, like, it's this great thing. And it it kind of would have been if they would have lived, you know? Like, I mean, Otto lived, but it can't have been very fulfilling to have to do that without his family. Dude, I bet you he would have traded places with anyone there yeah guaranteed heartbeat yeah and uh, you know i'm just listening and thinking of a couple themes i she's clearly number one beyond all things a writer yeah she says that over and over again her writing is amazing her writing itself is amazing i'm reading like a passage here where she says i want to go on living even after my death yeah and she's talking about the like because of writing that's a possibility essentially yeah. and that was one of the passages that caught me to tear up because it came true yeah you know like she her says writing, a lot of things that are very very prophetic very prophetic yeah and her writing gave her that ability and that it's like her number one hobby and love and passion but she also says um i must have something besides a husband and children something i can devote myself to yeah and it's interesting to think of her as kind of one of the first in this a new generation of people of women that are wanting more than mm-hmm. well not not that are able to get more than just a husband and children and like being a family life. And that ties back into what I was going to say about her parents. It like makes you wonder. I think we're all guilty of this, like where we think that we are something independent of our parents. But the thing that always makes me appreciate things in a new light is when I remember like, oh, oh, my dad was just like me when he was my yeah. age. Had the same exact thoughts. Like, like my mom, the same way. Like you look at my mom and you see, see all these things. And it's like, she's a very deep soul, but like people don't understand that. It's like, she's a great artist, a great writer. She loves reading. Hmm. But on the outside, if you knew her in any other capacity, you wouldn't think that. Hmm. My dad, I think, is the same way. Like, I'm always blown away. Like, when sometimes I talk to my dad or he teaches me something and I'm just like, damn it, I forget how smart he is all the time. Like, I'm, like, never going to be smarter than he is, <laughs> which, like, infuriates me. But I think that about her parents is, like, it's like, did her mom grow up with the same aspirations? Like, I want more than a husband mm. and family. Because ultimately, it seems like she's resigned herself. She reminds me of the depiction of so many moms. And, you know, like, I was just watching Fried Green Tomatoes the other day. And, you know, Kathy Bates' character... She's like, you know, they're empty nesters now. And and anyway, it, it's the same in any movie or like American Beauty, where all of a sudden they have this awakening, like where they've just been going through their life, like sleepwalking, going to work, going home, eating dinner, going to bed, waking up, you know, watching TV, doing the same things. Like, I wonder would like if it would nowadays where her or where her parents just like the watch t- TV types, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. zombie sleepwalkers who go through their life just trying to. Well, I'm too tired to do anything but watch TV, you know? Well, she does... And this is what I found really interesting about it, was they're all 
trying to learn something all the time or yeah. they're they're all reading all the time yeah, yeah. which was interesting like well nowadays i mean it's different, different i guess now different times yeah yeah because now everyone wants to watch tv or play a game or they're on their phone or whatever but back then like it was funny because her sister would be able to read a certain book and Anne would be like be. yeah she wouldn't be able to read that book but Anne would be like well i'm old enough to to, to read this you know mm-hmm. like all mad about it but it's just really interesting to me that even in hiding, it's like that whole time in hiding, they're preparing for their future afterwards. Right. Yeah. And they're all like learning different languages and learning math. And we know that Anne hates math, you know, and yeah. all this but kind of stuff. she loved Greek mythology. Yeah, she loved history and Greek mythology. And um, it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. You would think that, that if you're in hiding, you would just be like scared the whole time. And, and, you know, you wouldn't be able to... probably was, but... Well, yeah, but it's like, I don't know. You wouldn't think that they would be, you know, spending all this time learning and... I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I I found the quote where she talks about one thing like that. Just basically says, ordinary people simply don't know what books mean to us. Shut up here. (laughs) Reading, learning, and the radio are our amusements. Yeah. Which is, it's so true. And I, I, it's probably a way to keep saying Hey, I know I'm stressed out all day constantly, but I'm learning French. Well, and I can guarantee you that journaling went a long ways for that, too. Yeah. Like, how therapeutic is it? I journal all the time. And this is getting way ahead of myself, but my the part where I realized how, like, relatable Anne was, at least to me, was when she wrote the ode to the pen. Hmm. Dude, I've done that same exact thing. Like, I'm to the <laughs> point in my life where I just, I use the same pens all the time. Like, I'll go buy them in bulk and then I'll just have them because mm-hmm. I hate, you know, granted. Um, I did try to look up, like, what people assumed her pen was. And I found the pen company that is still in <laughs> um, in business and they sell pens that are upwards of $1,000. Oh, my God. Wow. Remember she talks about how she lost the pen in the stove and they're like there was, like, oh, the yeah. gold tip on it and yeah, all this stuff? Right. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a gold tip, so clearly it was a good pen. You know? Actually, and that's something, it's interesting, I feel like in all these books that we've read, we've kind of been attacking it from different angles, yeah. which can reveal some interesting things. I think it's funny to think about her as someone of privilege, because yeah. she, her parents were very wealthy. They did get to move to Holland. Yeah. You know, they died in 1945, or a lot of families might have died in 1940. Like, they were just in Germany, boom, they get picked up and shipped off, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's like, well. Jokes. And I admired the forethought of, like, her family in that way. Because, you know, part of the book that's very interesting, I thought, is that I think it's important as ever right now in the United States to, like, read this book. Because there's this, like, new wave fascism, like, washing over mm-hmm. everyone. And we're all taking it without, se- you know, a second thought. Well, it's never going to be like that again. Well, it could be. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it will be. But why not? Like... I don't think anybody thought that Hitler would be a problem as, you know, especially like I was reading up on, uh, I can't remember where it was, but there's a place to kind of summarize all the events like leading up to it. And nobody outside of Germany took Hitler seriously Mm. during his rise to power. You know, it's like, um, like what the King of Denmark did in solidarity with, uh, the Jews that were living in Denmark at the time, um, himself and every citizen of Denmark wore the gold star. Oh, that's cool. I didn't mm. know that. Which screamed like, it screamed a parallel to me in modern times is like when there was talk about like the Muslim registry. Mm. 
my first thought when that happened was like, oh, if that happens, I'm gonna, I'll put my name on the list. Mm-hmm. If everybody puts their name on the list, it's a useless list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I admire their forethought, though, because a lot of people, especially nowadays, I can imagine a lot of people who would be like, well, that's not going to happen. No, it's not going to be bad, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, their families are being taken away and executed before they even know what happens to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like our parents' generation, no offense. Well, no, many, many offenses <laughs> meant are very complacent people. And I can imagine them, like, you know, just letting it happen. Mm-hmm. They let a lot of stupid things happen in uh, 2017 that shouldn't have happened. Um, so it's cool to see, like, people taking threats to their well-being, like, seriously. Even though, like, ultimately it didn't lead to much. Mm-hmm. Well, but imagine if they didn't go to Holland. And then imagine if they didn't take the freaking labor camp letter seriously mm-hmm. that Marco got. Okay. There'd be no story. Th- their story would have been that of the people that Anne watched walking on the streets from their from their attic who were being taken away daily. Yeah. You know? But it, again, it's kind of... I think that question of, is it fair that she is the, you know, kind of main person we think about when we think about the Holocaust is, is interesting. And then there's like a, a reason, a question behind why do we need a single story and we can't appreciate the like death of, of millions and millions. But then that what you're talking about there is, is like, well, all of that foresight, is that because they had the means? Yeah. You know, like, no, and so is it easy is. to say about a, a wealthy family who had the means to just up and move? And he started a really successful business in Holland and they were well off there too. And then they had, they were able to hide out in his own factory, yeah, yeah. you know, and like arrange all this elaborate um, stuff where like the police thought they were going somewhere else. Yeah. They definitely were privileged. And I don't, and I don't mean to say that they weren't. Ever, they have lots of luck mm-hmm. and they had privilege. Ultimately, it didn't matter. They all died anyways. But it, it's the same thing like nowadays, like when hurricanes come in, it's you're not worried about the rich people who can just hop on their plane and go somewhere else. You're worried about the people who can't go anywhere else. Yeah. You know, like in Houston and in Florida <laughs> with these latest storms or in Katrina, you know. And Anne, um, she recognizes that, though, like over and over in the yeah. book, mm-hmm. like how unfair it is basically that she's able to stay there. And not somebody else. And they do, like, their family does take in other people, right? They took in... Totally, yeah. D- Mr. Dussel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and His name is different in real life. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Can't remember it. It's Fritz something, though. Yeah, yeah. And he seemed kind of... I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, and I guess the only reason I, I was pushing back in this is because I don't, I don't want to lift them up unnecessarily. Right. And I, I also don't want to say like, oh, these other people that died in the Holocaust, like they were too complacent. You know, they should no. have gotten out. Because I, no, I don't no, think but, it's necessarily like a, but we I should look even... at what the people or victims did wrong here or could, the choices they could have made differently. Because it's hard, it's really hard to say and then it's really, they were totally not the problem. I, I don't I think... even mean that it's like, it's their fault. You know what I mean? But there are people who would rather write it out or like, maintain the status quo it's like well things aren't gonna get that bad like why would they round us up and kill us like that's such a far-fetched thing to imagine people doing yeah like factory scale execution of people like that's not real yeah could you like but you can't fault these people for thinking that it wouldn't ever get that far yeah and i don't mean complacent in a bad way i just mean like 
what you're saying is is basically we just need to learn from the past and not not act as if it can never happen again. Right. You know? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I feel bad saying that now because I didn't mean it like, well, they brought it on themselves because they didn't plan for the worst possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nobody's planning for the big one here in Oregon. Yeah. But when that hits, like, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like the... Uh, I don't know. We're getting really off topic, but <laughs> let's go back to the book. And <laughs> okay, first of all, is it weird how open I was thinking this? How open like courting and dating was back then, and like she was entertaining like multiple boys at the beginning, <laughs> which I was like, good for you. Well, so that's there's like, not even a thing anymore. There's that aspect, but then there was the aspect of like it made it seem like kissing was the same as sex. Right, yeah. Like, well, like you could be courting multiple girls at the same time or whatever, or vice versa, like girl courting multiple boys, but you can't kiss them. Hey guys, thanks for sticking with us through this episode uh, as we discussed The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Of course, you can find the other episodes in this discussion the same place that you found this one, be it airpodcast.com or iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform might be. I want to give you a really quick reminder that if you want to join our conversation, you can do so over on Twitter. We are at Awesome Book Club, or if you want to write us a letter or send us an email, you can do so abc at airpodcast.com and one more thing guys if you have the time and you're so inclined we really appreciate it if you could go on itunes or whatever your your podcast platform is and leave us a rating and leave us a review and and give us some honest feedback if there's something you think we can work on let us know and we'll do our best to, to address that we really appreciate it guys we hope you enjoy the other episodes as well